Hey everyone, Celtic here. This first episode of another aspect of drinking and dance was a challenge for us to make, because there is no right way to talk about this. Furthermore, some of the technical difficulties of recording over distance popped up in here as well, so you're going to notice some of the dialogue coming at you out of sync. Still, we felt it was important for us to have the discussion anyway, because in a way it was a form of therapy to talk about what we see and what we have seen in the dance community these last few weeks. As James Baldwin said, the paradox of education is precisely this, that as one begins to become conscious, one begins to examine the society in which he is being educated. This discussion was another way for Feathers and I to continue that examination for ourselves, for better and for worse. That said, on with the show. The night's winding down, and so is the music. As you pass by the back room, you see a light still aglow. Voices carry through the door, and you can hear laughter and the sound of glasses slamming against a table. Toasts rise on the midnight air, as do lamentations, and the unmistakable sounds of barroom politics. You enter the scene to take your seat at the table, as we invite you to sit back, pour yourself a drink, and enjoy the show. This is Drinking and Dance After Hours. to what should have been the second episode of Drinking and Dance After Hours. I say this because we originally recorded the first episode a few weeks ago and had intended to release it in early June. But one day after we made that recording, George Floyd was murdered by Derek Chauvin and three other members of the Minneapolis Police Department, which has been the flashpoint of, as of this recording, two weeks and counting of protests in all 50 states and across multiple countries against the brutality of police against black people in the United States. Our first episode of After Hours was meant to be topical, where we would just drink and discuss issues in the dance world, as opposed to the in-depth interviews of dancers like we do in Drinking and Dance at the End of the World. Um, the first episode is definitely just for laughs, and we will absolutely be releasing that later. But today, we want to talk about a different issue affecting our shared dance world, that of anti-blackness and white allyship in the dance in black created dance forms, as well as how dance can be a doorway to begin a path towards empathy. My name is Rob Celtic. Joining me today is my co-host and partner in a discussion that we shouldn't need to have and yet should never stop having. Uh, dancer, producer, and creator of our theme music, Kyle Larkin, AKA Feathers. Feathers, welcome. Uh, hello. 
it is uh, definitely uh, a very sobering time, but we're still drinking. Oh, yeah. No, we can't be that sober for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first of many dumb questions, uh, how are you holding up, bro? Uh, I'm holding up. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's weird feeling, um, exhausted and energized at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really great way of putting it. How have you been handling that energy? Uh, I mean, just trying to put it towards, um, productivity, I suppose. I mean, you got to do, um, you know, what you can, you know, unfortunately, because I mean, there's a huge wealth disparity. It's weird that, uh, the people that are, you know, traditionally, you know, have a history of being poor, um, are the ones who have to pick up the slack in order to change society when society could easily change with, you know, a couple clicks of the button of people who are exorbitantly, uh, wealthy, but you know what? I mean, you know, you can't, uh, you know, you can't complain about the way the world is. You just kind of have to try and make the world um, the way you want it to be. So, I mean, I'd like to believe I can do both, um, but I really like to complain. So, <laughs> oh, I do too. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I host uh, two versions of one podcast, so obviously I like to hear my own voice. So, yeah. I don't know. It's a nice voice. Go <laughs> Much like this whiskey. Oh, shucks. So whiskey, you've got whiskey today. Or, oh, no, no, no. It's a spiced rum. It just tastes like whiskey. You know, Kirkland oh. signatures ain't really like, you know, <laughs> top of the bar or anything. It's not. A... <laughs> it's it's just a bottle that says it's white label with dark letters and it just spells out dark liquor. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with Sharpie. Well, I have um, uh, quite appropriately a white claw because I'm a white man. So let's, oh, let's get down to brass tacks. Yeah, I saw a, post the, saw a post the other day that said, you know, my waist, my non-racist white friends, I'll get you any white claw flavor you need. So that, apply, <laughs> that applies to you too. Since you're an ally, you get whatever flavor you want. Oh man, that is, I, I'm honored. I, I'm tearing up a little bit, actually. That's, <laughs> that was fucking beautiful, man. Um, but yeah, to, to your health, bro. Cheers. Cheers. Clink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, obviously a discussion like this can go one of a billion ways. Um, and it's at this particular point in time, there's a lot of ways it could go wrong. And we talked a lot about how we wanted to do this beforehand. Um, and one thing that we wanted to avoid uh, was a me being the white person in this conversation. For those who have never seen Kyle uh, and can't tell by voice, he's a black man in America. Um, one thing we wanted to avoid was me centering myself in this in this discussion because that is a pattern that um, too often other white people in our scene do, um, and it's bogus. Uh, and I, another thing that we wanted to avoid was uh, what B-Boy Manigod, uh, a.k.a. Jarius King, who's been on the show before, he calls it um, black uh, trauma porn. So just, you know, diving into somebody's pain just for the sake of of, of uh, exposing a raw nerve, I guess. And uh, like Kyle, what... Uh, 
I've totally blanked on what I wanted to ask you. It's okay. <laughs> I'll edit. I'll edit that out. Oh, don't even edit it. It's like I don't know. <laughs> I think the best part of a conversation is uh, those moments where you're just kind of um, figuring out what you need to say, especially like in such a raw time like this. Mm. where people are just trying to process all the shit that's going on right now because you know we're kind of in an un i mean we're in it's weird that we're uh, repeating history but we're still in an unprecedented time um you know like i think you just described all of history yeah (laughs) (laughs) like it's strange like seeing that like you know we're in yet another you know age of protesting we're in yet another you know era of people, you know, rioting and, you know, protesting and, you know, there's chaos in the streets and, you know, people just want justice for an unjustified killing going on by authority figures, you know, from one white man to another black man. And then, but we're all, it's also unprecedented that we can make change, you know, from a, you know, electronic square in our hands, you know, all of, it's just amazing because I mean, I feel like before the camera phone, you know, none of this would have happened. We were lucky enough to have Rodney King be recorded um, by somebody, you know, who was allowed to record it. But now it's just every case of police brutality that we get, uh, we're now getting, you know, full HD 4K. There is no discrepancy. There is no arguments. There is no, well, it looks he- like here he could be. No, there is no could be. You know, we, there's only the stark reality. You know, and you have to do quite a bit of, you know, mental gymnastics in order to justify the uh, injustice that's going on, you know. And yet somehow uh, all these white people out here are the mental equivalent of Simone Biles just backflipping and twisting their way to, you know, some sort of. And that's, I think, what makes the uh, George Floyd's case so unique is that you have even Mitch fucking McConnell old no lip have an ass yurtle the turtle looking motherfucker in the senate even he is saying oh yeah this this is crazy bad you oh know? yeah because there's no i mean there's no justification for it and you know it was actually very good to see that because you know it's one thing to be a pundit and then you start um being an alarmist um mm-hmm. you know trying your best to rile up people because that's how you get ratings i mean like you know it's a very base emotion to have anger and outrage but yeah. you know it's also a very base emotion to have empathy and some people try to quell it because empathy requires a lot of effort and you know human beings are naturally inclined to be very you know comfortable it's you know it's a survival mechanism so you'll see these um, white people trying to justify what they're seeing you know in order to make it such that their worldview doesn't have to change because that change is very uncomfortable and i understand you know like i can i can empathize but unfortunately it doesn't actually get us anywhere you know because and you know it maintains the status quo and as you mentioned before like it's in many ways it's a blessing now that we have all this technology that allows us to capture these these things in real time um but you know on on the flip side of that we have you know all of our black brothers and sisters who have to constantly be exposed to this shit again and again and again um which you've had you yourself Kyle have had to be exposed again and again and again to this shit and I cannot imagine what that does to you and your psyche long term well I mean I guess um I don't know 
it's a strange thing to see someone that looks um, like you and has the same kind of background, especially with George Floyd being someone who was in a dance community, you know, mm. like someone who did. Um, I'm thinking that it was Bachata, actually. Um, I think I think I read that as well. Yeah. And he did Bachata curiously with uh, Mr. Chauvin's uh, daughter. So I wonder if this murder was personal, I'm not going to make any um, conjecture. Oh, wait, I will. Um, <laughs> so, you know, another glass of rum and we'll be conjecture city. Yeah. Like I just, um, I wouldn't want to make any assumptions, but one could assume that this might be personal, but you know, they'll have to prove that in a court of law and, you know, with all yeah. of, with immunity and, you know, all of those walls. I, I wonder, you know, what kind of justice will be served, but we'll just have to wait and see. But it's regardless. I mean, seeing someone who has the same background as you that also, you know, has this history of like, you know, possibly like, you know, addiction and then, you know, is trying to make the most of, you know, their situation. And then, you know, is kind of on the come up and, you know, trying to get their life in order. It's still mm -hmm. like, you know, his life is snuffed out before he's able to reach that potential. That is uh, definitely, you know, especially as a nonviolent criminal, it'd be one thing if he, you know, was, you know, repeatedly violent. Well, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be because it just, I mean, unfortunately, like, you know, I find myself a bleeding heart. Um, you know, I'm definitely, there's Mega Man X and then there's Mega Man Zero, okay? And then, like, X is the <laughs> pacifist who only fights when absolutely necessary, but he's really trying to make peace. And Zero is always about that action at all times, and he doesn't give a mm -hmm. fuck. You know, it's, you yeah. know, the Professor Xavier Malcolm X. I'm always on the Xavier side of things. You know? And it, it just... I don't know. It's weird seeing that, like, that kind of passive life, you know, be kind of snuffed out. And then, like, even if he was someone who was violent, you know, it's weird seeing that someone who was, like, led down the wrong path because of family history, cultural history, racial history, um, you know, lack of income and things of that nature. Like, it's, it's all the more tragic to see them, one, go down the wrong path if he was that person, but also, like, to have his life snuffed out before he could turn things around. That's really... Well, here's the thing, too, is that, like, we don't even know if he is the one who, who fucking created, forged that $20 bill. Like, any one of us could have had that $20 bill in our wallet mm -hmm. if we carry if we carry cash. Oh, it was a $20 but, like, bill. Like, like a fake it was a 20, I it was thought a, it was, like, a, a fake check the last time I looked nope, at the actual nope. case. It was a $20 bill that they that was uh, forged, and they, they called it in. Mm-hmm. But like I've I've worked uh, retail and customer service before, you know, like you you mark the thing, you find out it's fake and you give them a chance to pay with something else. You don't automatically assume that somebody's out there like, you know, running a printing press and shit, you know, and, and, and you also have can what's her name? Candace Owens. Oh, my God. Don't yeah I, I mean that's a whole she's other she's like fucking voldemort she's just like you know black yeah. people don't even say that name it, like and <laughs> well that's why i said she's it. gonna show up and like you know the back of like someone's fucking forehead with a goddamn dashiki or some shit <laughs> and she, but she, Potter, but racism doesn't exist <laughs> oh, oh, oh my god yeah well Auntie Ruckus herself like comes on and says that that she uh 
that you know she she's saying he's not a good man because he you know is high on fentanyl or, or meth or this or that and i'm like i'm thinking to myself good lord i hope i'm not judged for the worst fucking drug i ever did in my life yeah. you know if if that's the measure of a man but um before we get uh too too deep i just want to take a second beforehand because we also did a brief consultation uh with jade soul zuberry who was in episode three um he is uh an outspoken activist in his own right and has been doing a shit ton of work especially in the last two weeks um with this whole issue and keeping dancers accountable so he's somebody we talked to um and he he provided consultation and and support for this so first and foremost thank you and shout out to jade uh we appreciate you man um and we wanted to mention, I, I will have a full list in the episode notes, but we wanted to mention a few other podcasts, uh, if you're listening right now, uh, that you can go search out and specifically if you're white or white passing or just non-black POC and haven't really done a lot of work to educate yourself, we want to help give those tools to you um, so that you can do start doing um uh, work that hopefully will last the rest of your life so i'll mention the full list in the uh the episode notes but right off the bat like um i want to shout out to the 1619 project by the new york times uh for anyone who knows their history the slave trade in america started it 400 years ago last year so in in 1619 so they did a whole project going into that uh there's the nod by gimlet there is about race by author Renee Edo Lodge. Um, there's Higher Learning with Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay. Code Switch by NPR. Um, and actually, I also want to mention for those uh, who are uh, fans of dance casts like this one, I've shouted them out before, but the Good Foot podcast uh, by Q Arnold, a dancer out in New York. Uh, they do some really good episodes on race relations, white fragility, and they have a two-parter on blackface. Uh, and one of the guests they had on that episode was Michelle Bird, who is um, an elder in the community, and she is the head of the Ladies of Hip Hop uh, event and, and group. So uh, shout out to all of them. Uh, and we will have, again, like third or fourth time I'm saying it, we'll have the full list in the episode notes if you want to continue after this which god damn it you better yeah for real like educate yourselves i mean you know the most important thing and you know i think it was um hmm, psychologist jordan b peterson that said that you should always assume that you you know the other person that you're speaking with um knows more than you i mean you know and that's not to say that like you have to crush your pride and then like you know make it such that your knowledge is completely invalid that's not what i'm saying i think that it's just important to you know maybe consider that someone might know more information and then as soon as they know inf more information you can compare and contrast your ideas by absorbing that information and if you happen to know more then you just know more and that's fine but um you know it's always important to try and um you know educate yourself because different you know since um, a lot of our history is anecdotal and very personal, like, you know, comparing your different experience with other people is definitely important. And here's the thing, too. There's something called the bike shed effect, where if you were to ask someone how to build a nuclear bomb, you know, they couldn't say shit, most likely, unless they're a nuclear physicist, mm. right? 
Um, but if you were to ask that same person right after, like, you know, how, how to build a bike shed, you most likely somebody would have an opinion on it, even if they've never picked up uh, a fucking hammer and nails in their life, you know, by comparison, the bike shed thing is much easier. But at the same time, like if you don't know, then be honest with yourself about your experience. Everybody thinks they know about race. Well, sorry, I need to amend this. Most white people think they understand race relations because we were taught about Martin Luther King Jr. in elementary school. And every February, we had a, a whole syllabus, you know, which consisted of maybe three or four names. We do not know shit <laughs> unless we have taken that time to really go deep and educate ourselves. So we're going off. We're, we're, we're starting from there. Okay. Yeah. Start with the empty glass. And I can really only speak to white people as I'm a white person myself. Um, I know that there is varying degrees of knowledge and ignorance uh, abound in non-black uh, communities of color. Um, but because I, have not I, I do not have experience in that, I cannot speak to it. But I would love to hear from those who do. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's no real right way to have this conversation, so we're just going to try our best here. And uh, if you don't like it, um, yeah. tough. You gotta, we, we all have to keep doing it. You know, it. I code switch a lot, so, I mean, I'm very eloquent when I uh, have a very, you know, high focus. But, you know, but if you don't like the conversation, then eat a dick. No, I'm just kidding. Like, listen to the conversation, <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> like, no matter if you're, like, I don't care where you're from. Like, if you're from, like, fucking backwater Georgia and then, like, you know, you have interactions with black people and then you, like, have so many, like, questions towards black people. And then, like, you know, you've had those people, like, you know, who've, like, you know, canceled you and all this other shit. Like, if you're, like, someone who's, like, part of the alt-right. Man, matter of fact, if you have a fucking Iron Eagle tattooed on your back, this episode might be for you because you might be able to learn something about like people that don't look like you and don't have your same experience. And then maybe just maybe just maybe you might change your mind about like your perspective on the world. And that's important because I mean, as long as you're able to change your perspective, then that means that you can become like, you know, a more well-rounded person, you know, not even necessarily better because I'm not going to just say that you're bad. Because sometimes people that are bad are people that don't know any better, you know? So yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. But if you go through all of these motherfucking points, if I give, if we give you every resource, if you can go to every Wikipedia article and look up this information and you still don't want to listen, then you can eat the biggest, the fattest, the blackest of dicks I have ever seen that you could even conceive. Fucking Lexington. Fucking Mandingo. I don't give a fuck. You can eat them. Just eat them. Oh, oh, God. We started off so good. Where did we go wrong? Um, so, uh, I'm going to get all the mail. Oh, in. yeah, but it's okay. All of it clickety click click clap, oh, motherfucker. Man, all right, I'm your so, Charlemagne. You're DJ. You're just trying to keep me under wraps. You're just trying to like control me. Okay. Don't 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 put me in the box, Kyle. <laughs> that said, that said, um, so as as a black man 
in, not only in America, but who actively participates in uh, the street dance uh, world, um, black arts. Uh, do you feel like you've gotten a lot of support from the white allies in this in this scene? Like, do you feel like there's something lacking with the responses that you've been seeing? Because God knows we've been seeing a lot of responses. Uh, and a lot of messaging out there by a lot of these white dancers. I think that um, I've definitely, okay. <laughs> I've definitely felt support in a way. I've definitely, but I've also felt as though like when people start to get onto the vein of uh, like activism, I feel as though people get on high horses. And unfortunately for me, it just makes it so that like, even when I'm trying to have a nuanced view on certain things, I can have my own formulated opinion based upon my experiences. If it doesn't fit within like, you know, a kind of like more radical like viewpoint that, you know, maybe someone would uh, like have like based on their experiences, if it doesn't fit, then instantaneously it's shot down. I think that there are definitely white allies that are very, um, you know, very much so willing to let their ideas speak for themselves and then like be able to discuss those ideas, um, you know, and then like, you know, make it such that like, there's like kind of like a progression forward, even, you know, when like opinions differ, um, shouts out to, um, uh, Brent Hopkins. He's a DJ out of Atlanta. Um, who like, I mean, I remember I made a, you know, a post just basically stating that I, you know, hold out optimism for the demonstrations that certain police officers and, um, you know, certain precincts have done and like with walking with their protesters and also, you know, taking a knee and things of that nature, you know, and just waiting to see whether or not their, you know, sentiments and their demonstrations are, you know, genuine. Yeah. So, yeah, but he disagreed and said that, you know, like, I, you know, I think that very much so that like, you know, this propaganda, you know, is just making it such that they can ease tensions. But then as soon as um, things break down, the culture of police will make it such that these, um, you know, acts of brutality will continue, which I agreed and I understood. Mm -hmm. I just know that um, I had to hold out that, you know, in order like that uh, suspension of disbelief, like just so that I could wait to see what would actually happen because, you know, I don't want to shoot down someone who's actually trying to make an effort, even if their effort is small and it's just like kind of um, in demonstration. That's the yeah. allyship that I feel when it comes to like um, white dancers is that like, or just anyone in the street dance culture is that there are some people that are really much so, um, you know, w willing to listen to like my viewpoints, you know, shouts out to Brent. Um, he, you know, DJed, um, block party, you know, multiple times, incredible DJ, mm. um, incredible person just in general. And then like, I definitely mm. feel as though if, because my view is, you know, very much so like not so much pacifist, like, because pacifism is just, you know, like another word for, I'm not going to fight for anything. So like, why are you guys fighting? Because I'm right. And I'm just going to die with my rightness. Uh, like, <laughs> But more so <laughs> just trying to hold a view such that I don't make judgments based upon my own bias, but based on the information at hand. And I feel like having mm. that view sometimes rubs like certain people that have that radicalized view um, 
a little bit the wrong way. And I've seen a lot of people shame people that are trying to make a genuine effort because they either belong mm. to a certain group, such as police. You know, you know, I've seen people try to shame uh, one of the pillars of the Colorado dance community, Dylan. You know, he's a police officer, deputy. You know, someone who's at the bottom rung, who like you know very easily could be shut out of that police culture and you know risk his family and his career for his views on Black Lives Matter, you know, but still like makes it very apparent, you know, and, you know, does not shy away from his history or his culture of being like a street dancer or, you know, fraternizing with the black community or the Latino community or anything of that nature. And has actually been, you know, and because, you know, white people don't understand anything when it comes to <laughs> black people, they thought he was in a gang just because he crumps, you know, they thought it was some kind of gang dance, mm -hmm. even though, you know, what, you know, like it doesn't even make any sense if they had done like cursory research, you know, but I've seen people try and shame him and, you know, try to say that his effort isn't genuine as though, you know, he, you know, has, you know, changed his view. His views have been the same, you know, since, you know, forever. He just became an officer of the law to do the right thing and try to change the culture. And, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't get you anywhere. It's not as though he's a lieutenant or even a chief or, you know, someone who's the head of a police union because he would have to conform to that culture in order to reach those echelons of his profession. And, you know, to see, you know, you, it's understandable when it's black people because there's that inherent distrust of the police. But when it's, you know, white allies doing so, it's just, you know, like he's trying to his best to be a white ally. You shouldn't shame him for trying to do so in the vein of policing and, you know, having at least a little bit of optimism to make the change within the department itself, even though we're seeing that that structural change needs to happen. And I feel as though I sometimes feel feel a lack of support whenever people are like more into shaming and, you know, browbeating than they are to like, you know, making the necessary changes. I would just say, especially, and I mean, it's going to sound like I'm just being harsh on white people, but a, I can afford to, because I am white and I have, you know, I've, I've been through the whole spectrum of beliefs. Uh, let me tell you. Um, and be like, I get to, I get to see this every day. Like I'm, I'm constantly bombarded by, um, just how white people behave in black spaces and, and, and I cringe because I've done the same shit, yeah. you know, like in many ways, like there, there aren't a lot of white people that can tell me shit when it comes to this specific topic, uh, because I've been where they are, you know, like I've been on both sides of the fence. So all that to say, like, I, I, when it's specifically when it's white people doing all the browbeating, right? Like, I get that you want to show up and you want to uh, play your part, but at the same time, like, you also have to have that cultivated that awareness to know when that, that, when you have been the offender, you know, because otherwise it's just, it, it seems a little disingenuous uh, or it, it seems like you're trying to divert attention away mm. from your own bullshit. You know, and, and it takes, I feel from the years that I've been doing this work, I feel like it's, it's very important to constantly, you know, bring your own stuff and be, you know, be honest and, and open and accountable for the things that you've done, you know? Oh yeah. That I, and I definitely um, believe that as well. I mean, you know, 
like and it's hard to be accountable it's like part of the reason why like the police are so you know it's so rampant it's because like you know they feel as though like in order to just do their job in order to uphold justice which they genuinely believe that they genuinely believe that they're doing which is why you're seeing like you know police unions and officers and you know stick by people that have like gross like you know overreaches of like force but mm. they feel as though they're trying mm -hmm. to do the right thing you know and i understand but like you know without accountability how do you know that you're doing the right thing without accountability and some feedback from the people that you are policing or the people that you're trying to make cultural change for or you know make cultural change with without that kind of like pushback how do you truly know if you're doing the right thing you know and then you know mm -hmm. if you can chalk up everything you know to you know people either misunderstanding you or you know like maybe they have the wrong idea about you you know then if it's all about them and their perception instead of you then you don't have enough self-awareness in order to hold yourself accountable therefore you need outside forces to keep you accountable and that you know that means like for people that are seeking you know drastic cultural changes and that also means you know people that are part of the system that exists know currently and i don't know necessarily mm -hmm. if people have that kind of self-awareness i know that as an individual i have so many blind spots just you know in general and becoming part of a larger oh, yeah. group like that just confirmed all of those things would just make all of those blind spots worse so it just doesn't i don't know i i i feel as though when it comes to white allies especially i think that they definitely need to or not white not even white allies just allies in general because i wouldn't say because i think that there are many people apart different strata that do feed into this system and then when they change over to mm -hmm. their political views to be you know more so on the side of like actual justice sometimes they have those blind spots and they will like you know do things that are very detrimental to like the cause you know like how like it doesn't matter if you're spray painting be black lives matter on the side of a target while it's burning or like setting a fire like you doing so does like make it such that the movement itself had like is now a target because now they're asking why exactly you know why is this thing burning why why the graffiti why all of this why all of that when in reality like if it was just a peaceful protest you know then like at at the very least there would just be no ammunition for the other side to try and blame us but now you know now black people are posting you know these videos of like saying like this is not us like you know like they're like you know <laughs> angsty kids just like you know throwing chairs and throwing piss bottles at police officers and all this other stuff went like unprovoked you know it's one thing if it's provoked but if it's mm -hmm. unprovoked then you're just like doing like a disservice to like and that's what that sucks because like you know we shouldn't need a justification for being angry about injustice you know like i don't know exactly what people yeah. expect when people are completely unheard you know for 400 years and even their allies can't do anything for them you know there's going to be unrest there's going to be like so well, much pushback so and not only can the allies uh, not do anything like m very often they've been betrayed oh, by yeah. the allies that too and let down and and, and disappointed constantly so 
Um, one thing that Jade uh, asked that I do or recommended or thought that it might be a good idea is to share a, briefly um, the story of, of my journey uh, towards getting to where we're at right now, having this discussion. So it, if that would be okay with you, Kyle, because um, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to bogart the conversation, but you know, well, as long as you don't go all the way back to when you were born in a log cabin, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, so, um, it was in Vermont and, uh, it was raining hard. <laughs> My father had built this cabin from, no, um, on land that he stole. Jeez. I know, right? Okay, so, uh, very briefly, I grew up, um, in privilege in, uh, in Iowa, a small town, a son of a dentist, and... For most of my life, I grew up around mostly white people. Um, and even like loving hip hop and lo discovering uh, street dance and all the black created dances, um, I, I, I got it through the lens of, oh, this is for everybody. You know, this is, this is, it's that hip hop rainbow mentality, right? Um, and so, I grew up around a lot of racist ideas and a lot of homophobia and um, just, just a lot of bullshit. And I internalized that. Like my father is a liberal, um, but he still had, uh, you know, implicit biases and racist ideas and, and a shit ton of homophobia, transphobia, all of it. So that's kind of like the, the sea I swam in for a long time. And I, whenever someone would mention uh, white privilege or the idea of it, I would get so offended and I would get so pissed off. And I, you know, um, I just, I thought it was absolute horseshit, you know, and you could not tell me otherwise. And this continued even into college, uh, even like living abroad in Japan where I was the racial minority, um, date, starting a relationship with a black woman, um, a Sudanese American, uh, I, I was with her for a year and a half before, you know, coming out to Los Angeles and actually getting to a point where I was a member of a black crew and most of my friends were black or, you know, non, non black, uh, people of color. Uh, and it wasn't until like, even through all that, you know, I could, I, I could still jam my, my thumbs in my ears. And when Trayvon Martin was killed, I remember thinking, oh man, that's, yeah, that's some bullshit, but it didn't really like, it didn't hit, me. you know, I just, I, I looked at it. I was like, oh yeah, I definitely shouldn't have killed that kid. That is that. Yeah. Throw the book at him. And it wasn't until Zimmerman's acquittal. I remember this very clearly that my crewmate chemo invited me to church and I'm not, you know, I'm a recovering Catholic. I don't really uh, buy into a lot of uh, organized religion. Uh, I still believe in God, but I, I do my own thing. So, but he, he gave me this invitation. I was like, yeah, man, cool. I'd love to. I show up to church with him and I'm one of five white people in this giant room uh, full of black people. The day after uh, Trayvon Martin's killer uh, is acquitted and everybody is hurting. Uh it just just everybody in the in the congregation and and the minister himself uh there was just this this palpable 
uh, pain that you could just, you could breathe it in, you know, and you could touch it. And I remember watching the, the minister on stage, like trying to comfort his congregation at the same time, like trying not to cry himself. And I remember looking at all of this, being in the middle of all of this and having this moment where I, I just stopped and I was like, there is something very, very wrong going on here and it's been happening for a long time and I'm just now starting to see it you know and then if from then on I remember going out with my girlfriend and going out with my friends and seeing how they would be treated compared to uh, other people and, and and really listening to the stories that they had to tell me and and being like outraged but at the same time embarrassed because like this this is nothing new this has been happening since before I was born and I'm this fucking newcomer to something that was always happening. Um, and so I started becoming a little more vocal in the scene. I started like really, uh, I didn't read a lot of books. I mostly, my, my education on this whole thing was, was piecemeal. So it was talking with people I loved who were going through hard times. And, and also I had the internet. I had the entire compendium of man's knowledge in my hand. So I would go read articles on race and I would read a bunch and I would say shit like intending to do good. And then somebody would say like, Hey man, that's kind of fucked up. Like, you know, you, I know you I know your intentions were good, but like, this is condescending or this is, you know, this is that way. So they, they would check me, you know? So it's, it's been years of that. And it's, it's been a constant process of, of gaining knowledge, thinking I know something, being reminded that I don't starting over and then just, just building from there. So that in a nutshell is, uh, what got us to where we're at right now. Yeah. So it's sorry, because I mean, I don't know. It's just interesting that like, I mean, like hearing that story just because, you know, because you've never had to like really like truly like face that like kind of injustice based entirely upon your race. Like it's just, you know, most people wouldn't even come to that conclusion and they always, and because of the way the media is, you know, because they're always trying to stoke a firestorm, they're always talking about how Trayvon was, you know, mm -hmm. somehow like violent and, you know, he got suspended a couple of times and it's like, does that even matter? Like, I mean, a child is a child, like they're going to get suspended, you know, just because you personally never been suspended because like you were always on good behavior. And honestly, that doesn't even mean anything because there are plenty of bullies who have gone, gotten away with, you know, you know, absolutely like atrocious things but have never been suspended or expelled because like their bullying you know was you know either relegated to like very private conversations that were very unproven or physical altercations that like you know the teachers or administrators didn't believe because they acted a certain way in school but you know like you know I, it was just always interesting seeing how people threw Trayvon under the bus you know just to like try and justify his death, you know, and it's like, there is no justifying death, unfortunately, because, you know, you know, like a person has to be truly, truly evil or like, you know, truly a threat in order to like, you know, have their death be justified. And even then it's still, you know, quite sad to see someone, you know, like go down like such a, you know, absolute, like an atrocious path, you know, just to, you know, die a death of never actually becoming like anything better than what they already like, you know, decided to be, you know? Yeah. You end someone's potential 
you end like any chance they had to turn things around and you did that yeah. and- or you supported that. And that's the thing. It's, it was, he wasn't even, like you said, he wasn't a criminal. He wasn't, and it's that pattern of any time a black person is taken down and it wasn't even by a cop. It was by some jackass with delusions of being a hero, you know, and he went and killed a kid, big fucking hero, you know, but every time, every time they, they, they pull out whatever they can to make this person look bad or to just, like you said, like justify the yeah. unjustified. And the thing is like, you know, there's no justice in the world. So like, you know, this guy is, you know, now suing, you know, the Martin family and everything. Oh my God. Like what a fucking tool. Like, and like it's just a pudgy, just <laughs> fat, you know, melted ball of like fucking ice cream and like you know, last name Jolly. Zimmerman but has Latino yeah. heritage I'm just like how the hell did you even become the person that you are truly you know well as as uh, man, b-boy man of God says proximity to white yeah, is a hell of a drug you know I've seen plenty of people so, like yeah. sell out but and as- what sucks is that like you you know okay like in the ages of like, you know, COINTELPRO, you couldn't even tell who was a sellout and who wasn't because, you know, you know, the government was actively trying to make it. So- Matter of fact, um, required reading for all of our white audience um, and anyone who's trying to justify anything who, you know, isn't white, but, you know, will wear a fucking thin blue line, you know, like bumper sticker on their car, or, you know, or that whatever. What is Ooh. that? Tat- I never understood that tattered flag. I never really um got that. I- well, somebody somebody said uh, somebody saw the um, Mel Gibson the Patriot movie way back in the day, and you know just just thought they wanted to live in that aesthetic. You, you see all these fucking cosplay Patriots with their Walmart tactical out on uh, out on the the fucking courthouse steps because they can't get a fucking haircut and thinking they're yeah. you know standing up to tyranny. Like if you want a conservative, if you want to make a conservative white guy's dick hard, just mention the word tyranny. Yeah, well, the, like just, the only problem is that, like, you know, that doesn't really apply to black people. And that's what sucks is that, like, you know, we want, I mean, see, I don't know. I've been having this thought, you know, like, it just in, like, this anger and frustration. Because, like, you know, because, like, there's the all lives matter people. And in and what sucks is that as a black man in America, all I want to say is all lives matter. That's all I want to say because I don't want my mm-hmm. race to be like the only thing that defines me. I don't want this to be a thing, but the world mm-hmm. always has a weird way of explaining and reminding you that you're black, you know, even when you just want to be human. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and that's what fucking gets me is mm-hmm. that like, I just want to be, you know, Kyle, I would love to just be Kyle, you know, you know, like have darker melanin and then you know that's all there is to it you know and like all things being equal we can just be like people of like different backgrounds and then like that's it but unfortunately that's not the fucking case and like and when it comes to like you no. know, the people that are like you know ranting out on the steps and everything i fucking get it okay you know you don't you know you can't trust your government when it comes to like you know disease control you know that you can't trust them when it comes to the media because the media loves to just stoke fires and then just you know put them out and act as though they never you know existed in the first place so you know you want to stand up to tyranny but i'm just like you know, if there's one, if there are people that we definitely want on Black Lives Matter, like protests, it's definitely those fucking people who like, you know, are carrying their AR-15s, you know, and like, it's just like, 
you know, all lives are supposed to matter. But as soon as like black lives, I mean, black lives are included in all lives, you would think. So where are you people with your MAGA hats? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when, you know, the government is deploying tear gas, you know, onto these people. I mean, you know, blue lives are also all lives. But why aren't you standing up when those are like, you know, trouncing on other lives? I mean, you know, Black Lives Matter cares much more about like mm-hmm. this, you know, a white girl who, you know, <laughs> like was killed by tear gas because she like went into cardiac failure because of it being deployed. You know, she's just some white girl from yeah. like the University of like, I think of Columbia or something of that nature. I'd have to look at yeah, and then, you know, Something but died, like you know, standing up for what she was right, like, you know, thought was right. But because it was black lives, all of a sudden we don't have that outrage. And, you know, there might be people on that side who are just saying, like, no, we're outraged and we're also mad and we're on the streets as well. And it's like, okay, all lives matter people, MAGA people, people who, like, you know, believe in the Second, Amend- Second Amendment, people who distrust government, people who, like, are conservative, which means, is like, to have less government control. If you don't believe in the disbanding of police unions because of their overreach of power, then I don't know what to say to you. Because, like, if, if there's one thing that I want to matter, it's all lives. You know, black lives are disproportionately being killed, but, you like, as you can see, like, white lives aren't safe either you know like us in the black lives matter camp are seeing old men getting pushed down and having blood seep out of their ears after being pushed down by a bunch of like you know overly roided and stressed out police officers and that government overreach of power doesn't seem to disturb you because apparently you lack enough empathy to know that like you know standing up for what you think is right during a protest is okay and should be okay and like, you know, you, you rant and rave about the constitution, but when that constitution is like blatantly being disrespected, where are you? We need your fucking help. We need your goddamn help. Like I, I do, would not mind mm-hmm. a person having a MAGA hat standing with someone who like and believes in Black Lives Matter because they are against government, you know, overreaching. I don't care mm-hmm. as long as you know that something is wrong. If you don't understand race relations and if you don't really understand where black people are coming from, that's fine. But if you can't see the injustice in having like a police officer overreach and then kill a nonviolent criminal, like then you like then there's a mm. more there's a larger issue with you than there is with that particular person. You know, like if you yeah, like if you if you see Absolutely. a person pushing another person down and you justify it with, well, the old man shouldn't have been there in the first place, you know, because they're enforcing curfew and you need to respect authority. What authority? You bought guns to stand up to a tyrannical government and also protect you and your families. If you and your families aren't safe and a 75-year-old man can get pushed down in the middle of a curfew, then we're like, you know, then it makes, yeah, where the fuck are you? Where the I, fuck are like, you? You know, it's more than just black people. America, like, if you consider yourself a patriot, if you consider yourself a defender of a constitution and, like, doing your civic duty as standing up to tyranny, then you need to stand up to tyranny when those people don't look like you, too. Like, we need, like, we need your help. I don't care if you have your camo pants and your, like, you know, boots and everything. If you think America is great, it doesn't matter if you think it's great right now. And you want, if you want to make it great again, then you need to stand up for what is right. 
And what is right is, you know, standing up to people that are obviously bullies, that are obviously overreaching with their power, that have immunity that you do not share as a citizen. And you need to stand up to that. You know, like that's, that's, yeah, that's all I can say. That's, I mean, well, so oh, there's a thousand more things I can say. Yeah. But there's so much more you could say. That's, yeah. this ain't even scratching the surface. But, um, Pulling it because this this is like the this is the worldview that we've got right now. Like we're we're up at the the bird's eye view of like the forest. I want to zone in on one particular tree if that's okay. And that's what's going on with mm -hmm. allies in the dance community. Um, and I just want to share a couple of observations that I've seen so far. Um, Again, mostly mostly white allies, but there are a few others. But just in general, um, I think we need to have a conversation about what to do when we fuck up, because fuck ups are a part of this work. It's a it's inevitable. I have lost track of how many times I've fucked up with this, and what you do when that moment comes, because there's two ways to go about it, right? The first way is unfortunately the way I see most often with allies in the scene is they will try to do good and somebody will say like, hey, where the fuck were you with this, 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 and this? I remember you said this, this, and this. Like, you know, explain your shit because right now you sound disingenuous, right? And instead of listening and saying, yo, you're right. Like, I hadn't thought about it. I was at a different place in my life. I wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do better. Like, you know, listening when somebody takes time out of their day, when somebody who is oppressed, who's going through the bullshit takes time out of their day to fucking give you the business, right? It's not to fucking tear you down. It's not to fucking like, um, just for the sake of making you look like an asshole. It's calling you to be accountable. It's an invitation to begin your education. But what I see is just this immediate defensiveness, immediate. This is the second path, mm -hmm. the arguing, right? The, 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 the just the, the fragility you you hear a, a lot about the term white fragility. Like this is fucking rampant in, in the microcosm of the dance world with white allies, right? I've seen so many cases of this in the last two weeks and it is embarrassing and painful to watch each and every time because we could like, like, like Kyle was saying, where the fuck are you? Where the fuck were you? You know, we need you. We need your help. Like allies are needed right now. It is very fucking important that we, that we fucking answer the call, you know, but we can't do it if we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. So it's this delicate balance of like, being educated, but also not waiting until you know everything to speak, you know? So you have to risk, you have to risk, take the risk of getting checked. And when it does happen, and it will, knowing that it's not about you personally, it's about they're, they're helping make you a better ally. Yeah, I definitely understand you that. You know what I mean? You know, and the thing is, like, you know, as someone who's, like, kind of watched, like, cancel culture, like, you know, have its, like, benefits and its detriments, I, you know, it's hard for me to say. I, I honestly, like, because the thing is that, like, you know, people do, like, indeed, 
you know, change over time. I remember there was a girl that had bullied me, you know, in middle school that ended up becoming part of an anti-bullying, you know, kind of coalition when she started becoming a school teacher. And it's just like, mm. you know, and I remember like saying to her, like, it's so mm. good seeing you do this because I remember like being bullied by you specifically. And I like, and the fact that you like, knew that that was wrong and then like tried to effort to not only change your behavior, but also like try to prevent that behavior manifesting in other people. It definitely, you know, like rubbed me. It was just, it was just like good to see. So like when I see people like bring up like your past and like people's past and say like, well, you said this, this, and this, I don't know. One, like we need to come up with a better statute of limitations because I think that like, you know, after I, I think that people can go through incredible sea changes in their lives where they see injustice and they try to like flip the script, you know, within a year, but sometimes it feels a little bit disingenuous, but then like, if it's a decade old, like bringing up someone's like tweet when they were, you know, like dumber and more ignorant, it just, it never really rubbed me the right way. Yeah. Well, here's the thing with that. If I may interject, right. In terms of cancel culture, I don't, I can see how checking and cancel culture have been intertwined mentally, oh, yeah. but I don't believe them to be the same thing. And this, this, this is why, and, and, and to your point on, on uh, bringing up old shit, right? If that person has very clearly been doing the work and very clearly like, you know, established a history of like progression, that's one thing. But if they've gone, like it was, you know, we're talking two weeks ago, they start, you know, start, they, they make this dumbass comment. And then like two weeks later, they're like, all right, where the fuck is everybody? All, you know, black lives matter. And, you know, answer the call and this and that it's people have a right to say, Hey, you didn't address this shit, like address this shit first. And then let's, let's talk, you know, because there is like, I'm sure you've experienced like, it's hard to trust that people are, are in the right place, especially oh, when yeah. you've been let and down. Oh, yeah, and I definitely understand that. So, I mean, I guess, like, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not going to dive into, like, you know, specific, um, like, examples because I'm not into, like, you know, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> like no call people out or anything. But, <laughs> I mean, I guess, um, you know, I definitely understand that, especially, like, when people, like, make, like, incredibly, you know, stark you know, very one-sided, almost like, you know, ultimatums when it comes to their points of view. And then they completely like flip that around, you know, whenever the bandwagon mm -hmm. is going the other direction, you know, and maybe you've seen the error of your ways, but like, you know, when it comes oh, yeah. to the error of your ways, like, unfortunately you do have to address them. And that's what sucks is that like, you know, you have to address them and then, you know, try to like see where you went wrong. But if you have like a defensiveness over what you had said before, then obviously you still identify with that viewpoint and because you identify with it, then, you know, you're kind of stifling yourself in moving forward in that progression. So why even like bring up that progression in the first place? You know, so I guess um, to my white allies, you know, if you get called out on something, you know, if you understand that what you did was wrong beforehand, if it was wrong, you know. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's hard to say, you know, maybe these, maybe the viewpoints that you held weren't uh, mutually exclusive and therefore you can justify it. But, you know, if you're being defensive about your points of view, you can't, you can't identify with your points of view is, I guess, the point that I'm trying to make. Like, you know, you, you are a person and you're going to hold different points of view and then like you're going to change. Absolutely. And part of the process, sorry to cut you off, but part of the process is acknowledging that it, 
what's maybe there's a charge, mm-hmm. quote unquote charge being leveled against you. Right. Um, and it may not be true objectively, but you owe it to yourself to open up your mind to the possibility of like, okay, this is how this person sees this. Is there any validity to this? And don't just automatically write it off. Like take a second to stop and really think because I'm willing to bet you'd surprise yourself by what you find if you really took some time to put yourself in that person's shoes and 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 see where they're coming from with this, regardless of your intent. Yeah, and I definitely get that. And I think that you know? like when it comes to like a lot of people that are allies, I think that um, you know, unfortunately in the social media age, there are a lot of people that are willing willing to do the absolute bare minimum for like, you know, actual, um, social change. And sometimes the bare minimum is all you can manage. I'm not going to like knock anybody, but like, you know, there are certain people that like can only protest, like, you know, maybe they can only afford to go to a protest and make some posts, but you know, when it comes to like rent, it's not going to come if they donate to black lives matter. Like, you know, I'm not going to like, you know, shame anyone for having a low budget, you know? But um, no, 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 but I think that there's like, you know, like there's uh, much to be said about armchair activism and, you know, people doing the bare minimum such that they're like part of the crowd. But, you know, they don't actually want to be part of the crowd when it's getting tear gassed, you know, because that takes strength and resilience and, you know, an ability to like you know take a (laughs) risk and put yourself out there. And unfortunately, like not a lot of people are willing to do that. I mean. Yeah. And here's the thing, too, is that like when you talk about it taking strength, right, it is perfectly valid for people in the struggle to test to test you, to test your intention, to test your will and to test your strength. And most often that comes through checking you on your bullshit. And you can always tell who's serious about doing the work by how they act when they get checked. So if they fucking fall apart, if they get defensive, if they get angry and threatening and, and this and that, because I, I, there's this other fucking pattern I've noticed, and maybe you all have noticed it too. Um, when, when somebody gets checked angrily by somebody who's suffering right now, right? By, uh, they'll uh, say, well, if you just said it nicely. Uh, if you if you were just nice about it if you so you're you're telling somebody who is who has spent years of their life like uh fucking hounded by cops um fucking leered at in public disrespected uh by by society and sometimes by family and by you know schoolmates and this and that and and who has to watch footage of people who look like them uh being shot in the street like dogs you're telling those people that they should smile hold your hand guide you gently through this like a little fucking butterfly and 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 just be nothing but sweet to you and you want to be taken seriously as an ally this is a fucking fight Like if you're going to be an ally in a fight, if you break down when somebody checks you on your bullshit, they know immediately you are not going to stand up to your parents when they say racist shit. You're not going to stand up to your boss. You're not going to stand up to anyone on the street. Because that's how fucking weak you yeah. are. How and delicate, also, how fragile. I mean, you broke apart like that. Of like being nice. Okay, I've already had. Uh, I mean, you've you've seen. I've already been in arguments with people. Like. Yo, in the last few Jesus days, Christ. oh man, I want to call this girl out so bad, so bad. And I say girl, not woman, because women have wisdom. Um, but, um, you know. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's why people call me, yo, what's up, boy? <laughs> because I don't have wisdom yet. I just speak eloquently, but I'm not a wise person. Give me 20 years. <laughs> give me some gray hairs and maybe I'll have it together. But yeah <laughs> but i think you know, you're like, selling you know, yourself this idea that like okay one if you're arguing about niceness and the delivery of a message that means that your ideas you know in and of themselves objectively cannot stand up to scrutiny that is the difference if i say a bunch of f-bombs but all of the logic is sound then if you talk only about the language that it was packaged in you know what like then your ideas can't stand on their own if you get a christmas gift and it happens to be a playstation 5 it doesn't matter that the playstation 5 that is probably going to cost like upwards of 700 dollars is somehow like if it's not wrapped in christmas paper and is wrapped in a paper bag does it undervalue the foundation of what's in the package i think not i think absolutely not i'm oh man i'm putting that t on it like kendrick absolutely like, God, <laughs> damn! Do, 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 God, do, do. this dick ain't free. Okay, I would. <laughs> God, so like when your ideas can't stand up to scrutiny, most people resort to either the packaging the delivery of the message which is to say oh well you seem like a nice person because but because of your language um i have a hard time believing that you really care about this subject shut the fuck up okay shut your goddamn mouth you know for a fact that once you've made that argument you're like that argument just falls apart your argument crumbles because it cannot stand up to the scrutiny of my own second of all people who like try to like do the whole like Oh, like, <laughs> oh man, I wasn't expecting this to get so angry. I'm like feeling my blood boiling. I don't know if it's oh. dude. You're drinking rum during this this oh, point man. in time. The next, in the next drinking after hours is going to be angry, like, but that's you know, part of royal. I mean, okay, I'm gonna have to get my full black on with this shit with the purple yeah. bag. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the first, <laughs> you know, the first like you know sign that it doesn't stand up scrutiny a, is you know a, niceness. You know that that this idea that like oh well we have to package it mm-hmm. great for you, and I think that the second is just oh man, I'm getting so frustrated and I'm like losing my train of thought because like it's hard to like break down these like very asinine and dumb arguments, like you know. It, as though as though like their arguments in the first place you know these like as if these arguments ha- hold any fucking water mm-hmm. like you know just because they're packaged very nicely you know like because like as soon like as soon as you start oh and the second is ad hominem there we go i was searching for the word it's it the phrase ad hominem so then you start attacking the person themselves you know based on personal basis you know, because like you don't have anything to argue with your points. So then you start tearing the person down. And that's um, when you know that you're like, you know, your argument doesn't hold up to fucking mm. scrutiny because you have to tear down the person. Well, you know, you talk about all this about Black Lives Matter, but look at you. You look at like, 
didn't you do drugs back in 1992? Didn't you do cocaine? And it's just like, okay, one, pers people's personal histories and past have nothing to do with that argument. Second of all, if they do have anything to do with the argument, usually they're uh, victims of, you know, a certain type of upbringing or maybe uh, an income disparity or maybe a lack of guidance or a lack of, you know, you know, maybe like a lack of presence in the home for parents you know, something of that nature, bullying, you know, mm. mental health issues, all of these things. So you're tearing someone down for things that like already happened to them. Like it's one thing if they're a freaking sociopath and they're just like, you know, like, you know, if, if they're just like jumping onto Black Lives Matter because like it's the new you know trend or the new thing. Yeah, that's great because I've seen plenty of black squares and then people going back to posting selfies, like hiking in the woods. Okay. Like I can tell, I can sniff out the bullshit. Like, you know, the only reason why I don't unfriend people like is pretty simple. I still need to have a dialogue because dialogue is a good, like kind of marker of a civilized society. And I don't want discourse to break down because mm. when discourse breaks down, mm. that's when you have riots. Okay. That's when you have looting. It's because when people are unheard, they will resort to any means to be heard. Because then when you ask them, why are they breaking down walls? Why are they busting out windows? Why are they setting things on fire? Then they'll tell you. But you weren't listening before, you know, so you'll have to yeah. fucking listen now. Exactly. If, pe if peaceful protest worked, like, we wouldn't have yeah. half of the also, things that Oh man, sorry to cut to you off, today. but also this whole because peaceful pe protest shit, all you white niggas, no, 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 you're, all good. you motherfucking, matter of fact, it ain't even the white niggas, it's also you motherfucking, okay, sorry, I'm like going full code switch, we switched, okay, the fourth gate is motherfucking open, and I am, like, my blood is boiling, my eyes have gone white, the bandages <laughs> are off my hands, and Gara, you about to take this mother, like, even if you don't take the L, you about to get a beaten, I don't give a Fuck me. Like, oh man, you he's making watch a dollar. Man, fuck Shaputin. It's all about, but yeah. Uh, we're going to talk like Damn about, well, like, but... you know, it's not just the white people. It's all, all you motherfucking sellouts that are also dark skinned, but you're not dark skinned enough in order to be persecuted. Or you can just like suck up to people and then identify as white because you have like really great features in a certain way and you appeal to like, you know, their viewpoints. So therefore you can dodge the bullet, but they'll never fucking accept you the same way that they accept people that actually like share their fucking DNA. So you can miss Ooh, you can miss me with all that shit, dude. Yeah, but, Candace. Like, you know, for all of you people, like, fucking, like, you know, selling out and shit, like, oh, man, oh, man. Take, take, catch it a breather. Breathe. Breathe, Kyle. Breathe. Yeah. So while, uh, while Kyle's um, <laughs> resuscitating himself somehow, um, <laughs> I want to take a second to talk about uh, particularly prominent white dancers in the scene, right? Because there's, and I don't need to mention names, but there's a difference between somebody who's uh, a white person who, you know, comes to break in practice every Tuesday and somebody who has been on the national stage for 10 years, who has been winning multiple battles. Maybe they own uh, their own dance company or maybe they... Uh, have been judging every battle for the last 10 years, et cetera, right? Regardless of, of what kind of success 
they have, right? And regardless of, you know, I'm not saying they haven't earned, uh, a, a, you know, um, their success. And I'm not saying that they don't have skill, right? But those people, they've reached a certain level um, profiting off of black culture as guests, right? And I have, I have also profited off of black culture. I am uh, one of the first white people to do Chicago footwork, right? I have made money in a dance form that, you know, a lot of the founders never did. And they're still alive, you know, so they're coming from a place where I know what that feels like, maybe not to the same extent, but I do know what that feels like. We have a responsibility. Those renowned dancers have a responsibility uh, to the culture that that brought them up, that elevated them. Right. And too often I see that responsibility being shirked and and made light of and disrespected um i have seen these allies uh start trying to dictate how a dance should be or how a culture should be when this ain't even our house you know it doesn't matter how fucking far you get it doesn't matter how many battles you you win or classes you teach or artists you dance for like you do not have the right to dictate the terms of how this culture should be expressed I do not have that right. We do not have that right. We are guests in somebody else's house. And so when our house, the house that has welcomed us in, has given us a seat at the table, has fed us, has clothed us, uh, when that house is under threat, it is our responsibility to rally behind the flag. And not, not, not as the fucking champions, right? We are support squad. At best, this is the thing, like too many of us have seen these fucking movies where like some white person comes into the hood and like, you know, makes things better and teaches all these roughnecks fucking violin or some shit. And then that's like, oh, yeah, I want that's 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 how you take part in the struggle. Nah, man, that's fucking Hollywood. It isn't about us. You have to fucking divorce yourself from the idea that you're going to be the hero in this story. Because it's not our place. Our place is to yeah. support. Not to say that Robin was Robin not I out here putting in work. If you need to be a Nightwing to your fucking Bruce Wayne, then just go ahead and do it. But the thing is that remember, don't you ever get out of line. Because, like, I mean, because Batman calls the shots, man. Okay? Batman calls the damn shots. Like, like no matter what you do. Like, he started this shit, mm. and he can easily do it without you. He just knew that, like, you know, you offered to help. Yeah. He trained you. And he, he fucking He, like, gave you all the tools. You. He gave you your, your, you know, your bird wings. Oh, man, are those, like, batarangs, but with birds? He gave you every single derivative of everything that you do. And not to say that you haven't contributed. You got your, you know, you got your bow staff. You got your cool little motorcycle and everything. You know? And like you're you're in Bloodhaven, which is basically Gotham, okay? It's just basically Gotham, you know. But oh yeah, but you're but you're but you're still you're still at heart a derivative of Batman. You know, when people refer to you you as a group, it's the Bat Family, okay? And that's the same thing when it comes to street dance. It's just like, you know, like yeah. And that does again. I want. I want to clarify too. This is talking yeah. about in terms of like fighting for the house, right? 
for backing up the squad, right? It doesn't it doesn't oh, mean yeah. like when you dance that you cannot be a truly great dancer. You, you cannot hit the heights and you cannot like contribute to the culture. What that means is when the fucking fight is on, like this ain't your time to come out and and, and try and lead this shit. This isn't our time to do that because we will never understand. We will not ever understand what it's like. And without that understanding, we are not suited to lead. We are suited to listen. And it's really hard to do that because our entire, you know, popular culture has conditioned us through movies that the, 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 the fucking main character, the hero is always white. You know, you have this vision of you like getting up on some fucking pedestal and leading the charge. Yeah. And it- Fuck off! It ain't gonna yeah, happen. and the That's thing is, like you know, like just right? we have I been. Don't know. Sorry, go on. Like think about it this way: you can like definitely go through like you know points at which like you, you know, definitely stand up for the culture and for blacks and for justice and everything like that, and you can contribute in huge ways, you know, absolutely incredible ways. But when it comes down to like the nitty fucking gritty when it comes to like you know leadership and everything you gotta leave it to people that know it the most okay and unfortunately like even if you grew up in black neighborhoods you just don't know the perspective the more than they do unfortunately like you know but you have skills that are like necessary you have a certain um you know number of skills that make it very dangerous for races like them okay like it's just like (laughs) You know, like I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, you could go ahead and you like you know, contribute in the years. ways that you can contribute greatly. You know, there's no no one's gonna like knock like someone who's like you know really putting in the work and like you know putting in all this effort in order to like stand up to injustice. Okay, like no one's going to. But even Eminem, who's like you know the highest selling rapper of all time, knows that he's still a participant in a culture that he didn't create. You know, pretty, pretty plain and simple. Like, you know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he, okay. He knows well, he can smoke too. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I'm like, not, the, I mean, the, it depends on the, the rapper, the but pool like, of people that could do that shit. That's is a whole very, other debate. Very that's small, a whole other debate. Unfortunately, because the guy is almost a savant when it comes to words. Okay. It's just ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like he, he'll literally just like, you know, just like, you know, look at an apple and start rapping. And it's just like, what? Who does that? Who does that? Yeah, of course I'm more torn. <laughs> Chris D'Elia, apparently. <laughs> so, um, all that said, I think we've we've gone through a wide range, but I want to, if it's okay with you, Kyle, I'd, I'd like to finish, and we can always like go back to this as well, but I'd like to talk, or at least, yeah, I'd like to talk a bit about the last point that we that we mentioned at the beginning, how these dances mm. can be the start of your journey towards empathy. Because for me, that is a huge part of how it happened. Chemo is the one who invited me to church, yeah. but I wouldn't know him if we if not for Chicago Footwork. I wouldn't be in that crew. I wouldn't have you know the majority of the friends that I do without Chicago Footwork. Um, and it has opened up this door of like me being able to, you know, I, I, first off, be welcomed yeah. into a culture that has 
every right not to trust me. Um, and I have been, you know, I, I've been taken into parties and gatherings and groups and I have, uh, you know, jumped into those circles and, and expressed my truth and shared that with others and had that been accepted, you know, like this is, if you let it, if you let it be, this could be your doorway into not fully understanding where, where black people are coming from, but having a level of understanding, being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes for a little bit and, and at least try and imagine what this must be like. You'll never know. We will never know. I will never know for sure. You know, it's impossible, but it, it gets you into a better space to be able to listen when someone you love is telling you yeah. that they're hurt. Honestly. Okay. And they need when it comes help. to like uh, street dance specifically, um, you know, understanding the origins of all of these dance styles will make it so it will open you up to understanding why people might consider like, you know, white people participants in this culture rather than, you know, just like, like, you know, creators. I mean, they, they can be creators, they can be innovators, you know, within their, within their own right. But like, you know, they're still going to be the like, disconnect. And then like, you'll basically start understanding the necessity of street dance for expression through oppression. Like, you know, when you understand that, you know, breaking comes from, you know, like creation because of like having without, then like, I think it'll start opening up people to like understanding like, oh, that's the reason why these people are so angry. This is the reason why the style was created. And it'll only open you up more as a dancer, like, or as a person. Because you'll be able to understand the struggle of someone else. Like, you know, there's nothing more infuriating than this. Pe okay. There's nothing more infuriating to me. Like, and this sounds crazy coming from the guy who's talking about discourse all the time. But there's nothing more infuriating to me than this peace and love mentality when it comes to street dance. I cannot stand it. I cannot fathom. I can't understand why people always want mm. everything to be peaceful and loving and just like you know great you know it's one thing to like have etiquette in battles i'm not against etiquette in battles i think that like you know when it comes to like you should never resort to violence within a battle and you know contact should be you know consented you know should, you should have an understanding but when it comes to this idea of being a creator in the style and then un like thinking that like oh it's for everyone and it was created by black people but it's for everybody and all this other shit like no you need to understand that this was cut like you know something that was created out of necessity of expression or sometimes out of like you know like necessity for protection, you know, don't go to a capoeira class thinking that like, it's just something that black people invented, you know, just because they wanted to dance. No, it like capoeira, the way it's like taught now is like, you know, something completely di different than its origins. You know, it's like more so like dancing in drums now, but don't, don't make no mistake. There were, there were like techniques in that dance and fighting style in that martial art where like you could easily get cut by a knife because like they were acting like they were dancing you know but like slave owners like were just like oh let let those darkies dance let those niggers dance somewhere and then like you know but in reality they were training to defend themselves from white like landowners like you need to understand that in order to like understand like why these things were created and then you can understand why they're like a 
there's such an attachment and longevity to these art styles. Crump was created because like of necessity, like, you know, because of like these like poor blacks being in South Central LA stating that they needed to get their frustrations out and, you know, and clown. And even though they had an outlet through clowning, you know, dancing with Tommy the Clown, they needed something more aggressive because there was just so much going on. So like, you know, and that will open you up to understanding like, you know, oppression as mm. it like, you know, occurs widespread through a community and how that's a great crucible for like, you know, creativity, you know, and it'll open you up to like, you know, understanding black people or not, and yeah. not even just black people. This will open you up for every other culture that has ever created ever anything out of struggle. You think that sushi was just always a delicacy? No, it was poor fishermen creating things out of seaweed, rice, and fish, which is what all they had. And now it's a delicacy because white people came in and said, oh, this is so great. Look at how exotic this sushi is. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Yeah. Ho, 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 ho ethnic food well there's um to that point uh well three things that came to mind uh nietzsche once said that yeah. uh creation is the great redemption from suffering right it's it's the the way that we alleviate the pain of being alive and regardless of what your struggle is almost everyone here has a struggle some are very obvious, some are hidden uh, beneath the surface. And just the simple fact that we are all wrapped in human flesh and, and have to survive and, and make it through the fucking day in a world full of gain and loss. Like, you should, you should already be primed to want to understand other people and other cultures and, and, and the struggle that, that Black people face specifically. Right? You should already be primed for that because even though you don't know that suffering, you know what it means to suffer. And this isn't a fucking comparison. It just means like there is a seed there. Right. So the second thing um, that, that, that brought up was um, Bryce, Bryce Johnson, Professor Locke, his interview, uh, which was episode uh, 10, I want to say at drinking and dance at the end of the world. He talks about, you dance how you live, right? Your groove is your manifestation of how you make it through the world, right? Um, and he was talking about like teaching people in Denmark who like, they get government funding to dance. There's no struggle in terms of like, you know, dealing with uh, racial oppression. I mean, there is if you're a Greenlander, right? They're, they're fucking horrible to Greenlanders over there. But, you know, for a native Danes, like, you don't understand racial oppression. How could you, right? You're, uh, yeah, it's a totally different ballgame. But uh, Bryce talks about Sekou, uh from New York, shout out to Sekou, going over there and, and talking about this dance coming from struggle. And they're like, well, how do we, how, how will we ever understand, you know, because we don't, we, we didn't come from that struggle. And he's like, well, you have to find the Danish struggle. And for the Danes, it's the constant pressure from society to conform to this, this level where everyone's the same and no one's better than anyone else. You know, there's societal pressure. You can understand societal pressure, even if it's not the same, you know? And then the third is 
apparently I still can't make it through an episode without quoting Archie Burnett. He's, he, he talks about the importance of context. You know, there is a reason for everything in this dance. There is no wasted movement here. Everything has a meaning. And if you understand what that meaning is, it makes, it, it, it breathes life into your dance. So you have nothing to lose and everything to gain by really doing the work, by educating yourself, by, by talking and really connecting and listening to black people when they, when they, when they tell you about yeah. the, the, the pain. Yeah, no, like, I think through. that's a good point. And first of all, we can quote Archie Burnett that's like, all. Till the end of time <laughs> because I have a feeling that like his, quotes, yeah, like his, his quotes are going to be like, you know, like known I throughout fucking the will. I fucking of will history. the day I die as like some of the most important things, you know, to ever be said. And maybe he'll just be one of those things where it'll just be black proverb, you know, because people it'll, his name might be lost to history, but I hope not because uh, everything he says is uh, incredible. Okay. Yeah. So like, but um, yeah, that like, man will I mean, never disappear. when it comes we'll to like the struggle much. of like anyone really, because if you truly believe, I mean, you know, I'm just speaking to like, you know, the white people that like might not be, you know, like really into this episode just because they're just like, why does, you know, that's the question I always get. Why does race have to like, you know, play into everything? And, you know, un unfortunately it does. And, you know, of course you can't see it because you haven't necessarily had to deal with it in the same way it's not your fault okay like that's not your fault but like at least be willing to listen to someone who like has had it be a factor for such a long time and it always comes into play you know just like just be willing to like understand their struggle like that's all we ask for i mean you know because like you know what black people are like essentially looking for is justice and equality and the thing is that that includes you you know unfor like you know and not just in the realm of defense because you know there are plenty of like you know you know people that are poor and white who like go through the same struggles or more struggles than i have you know in this country it's just that like you know they're completely different you know but the difference is that i'm willing to listen to you when you go through some bullshit you know, when, when like wealthy landowners are fucking over your city and there's an opiate crisis and then like, you know, you have like a lot of people that like can't get off of the drugs and then anti-opiates aren't available unless you go to jail, but you have to be a criminal. And then it's so outlawed that like you have to, you have to take a 20 year sentence just to get clean. Are you fucking like, you know, I get it. Okay. Like, you know. Like your prit, you know, that, that white privilege that you hear sounds like a whole bunch of bullshit coming from someone who's like from like, you know, Colorado, who does not have to necessarily deal with that because our crises are completely different. But I'm, but I'm willing to listen to you. So please listen to me. It's about listening and understanding each other's struggle because, you know, as people that are on the bottom rung of society, as people that aren't part of like the upper echelons of tax brackets, it's up to us to like bring about that change because the people at the top won't because they're not incentivized to do so. You know, that top 1% of people, what like, you know, those billionaires, mm -hmm. like, you know, if there's one thing that they might not see, it's color, it's, unless it's green. 
And like, <laughs> and unfortunately for us, they are very incentivized to have us at each other's throats because we keep each other down. And that's the last thing I fucking want. I want actual justice. Okay. Like, you know, and, but justice does start with listening to each other's struggles because a unified front of people that understand each other and understand that this world is full of a bunch of bullshit will be able to change it, you know? And that means if you're rich too, you know, super rich kids with nothing but fake friends, I'm talking to you too. You need to understand our struggles too, because we understand your struggles. We understand that like, maybe like, you know, like people aren't as present in your life as you'd like. We understand that like some of your friends are addicted to like certain prescription drugs and everything. We understand that like people are constantly talking about how privileged you are, despite the fact that you have your own struggles and everything. Okay. We get it. We're trying to understand you. So understand us as well. We go through different struggles. We're not always going to be able to completely get it because we're not part of the circumstance, part mm. of like making some sort of change so that we don't have to unnecessarily struggle means listening. So listen, don't focus on the fucking riots. Okay. Don't focus on the target burning, focus on the signs and what they're saying, you know, focus on, you know, like what people are shouting. Focus on, like, the unjustified, like, treatment of police. Like, you know, you wouldn't, you know, it's as simple as understanding that you know that your grand, like, you wouldn't want your grandfather to be pushed down and then his skull to be fractured on the concrete until blood comes out of his ears. So extending that empathy to someone else is very simple. You know that you don't want any of your father's or brothers or sisters to be pepper sprayed or tear grassed or shot with um, rubber bullets if they, you know, speak out. So just extend that empathy. And if you're a dancer and you've like participated in this culture for such a long time, but you don't understand what black people are talking about and you read some statistics somewhere about black on black crime and all this other BS, like fine but at least be willing to listen to that struggle. And if you don't understand that struggle on a base level, look deeper into your art form and you'll be able to understand very clearly like where the struggle has been and where it still fucking is friends, you know, just be willing to listen. I'm willing to listen to anybody I don't care if you've been to a clan rally. I'm willing to listen to your fucking struggle because I guarantee you have one. You know, but you got to be willing to listen to mine too. I had a, you know, my birth father was like addicted to crack, you know, before I was even born. Okay. Like it's a different kind of struggle. Like, but if your uncle is addicted to opiates and, you know, you're scared and you think that, like, black people are rising mm. up and then maybe you need to, like, you know, latch onto something and carry a torch around. Okay. All righty then. It's a struggle. And if you're scared about the direction of this motherfucking country, me too. Let's fucking talk, motherfucker. But you better be willing to listen because if you don't listen and you just put me down, then that's when we're on opposite sides of the aisle. Mother, you know. Ooh, my mm. God. Whew. <laughs> yeah. Is that how you really feel, Kyle? I mean, come on. You can uh, don't mince words here. 
Well, I think if anyone's still listening um, after an hour and a half, um, I'll say something and then I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give you the last word, bro. Um, so this right here is a cross section of a much larger and longer conversation that we shouldn't have to have. And at the same time, must always keep having it doesn't end it's not going to end with this you know once the clock runs out on this podcast it's not going to end um when our children are talking about it we need to keep having the conversation because the problem keeps evolving our understanding needs to keep evolving as for whether we have shed any light on anything today as you know as for the idea that maybe somebody's going to get something from this i hope that you do um but this is not the end all be all you know uh this this might have just been two friends getting drunk uh <laughs> online and just you know spouting bullshit for 90 minutes but it's it's us taking part in something that is as old as time and as important as anything, you know, we need to keep having these conversations. So I hope that you are having this conversation as well. I hope that if you are like me, if you are a white person, who's a guest in this culture, you are doing your due diligence. And, and that's not even saying like, I'm doing it right. Cause there's so much more I can and should be doing. And I have to hold myself responsible for that as well. So my, my final thought to my fellow whites who want to do some good, uh, you are desperately needed. You are desperately needed. Our brothers and sisters are tired and it's time for us to step up. But in order to do that, we need to work. We need to educate ourselves and we need to be coachable and we need to listen. As Kyle has been saying, we need to listen. It is not our time to talk yet. Okay. And especially when it comes to uh, our, our brothers and sisters sharing their, their struggles and their pain, that's not our time to talk. Our time to talk is at the fucking dinner table with our families. Our time to talk is our white co you know, when we're, we hear some bullshit from our white coworkers and our, you know, our time to talk is when fucking white people in our scene say some ignorant shit and no, and, and nobody goes to challenge them because everyone's fucking tired. That's our time. That's where we can fucking step in and do the right thing. But we need to listen first and we need to get educated. So with that said, um, Feathers. Oh yeah! Cheers. Uh, any oh, final get thoughts? That sound effect and if going. you would close us out, please. Oh. oh, actually, first, cheers. Man, we almost need a soundboard up in here. Uh, I guess um to, mm. I mean, I guess my final thoughts would be, you know, don't mm -hmm. let communication break down. Everyone, you know, if you're not understanding something, just don't be dismissive of someone else's experience. Okay, like. I know it's very easy to, I know, you know, our schadenfreude makes it such that we always want to like have an upper hand on somebody else and then like laugh at their dismay. And sometimes that's like very, you know, 
you know, good because like these people, you know, are, you know, unempathetic and very like hypocritical and like, you know, deep, like they have deep seated hatred and anger and you just want to see them get their comeuppance, you know, that's one thing, but you know, as long as like, you're able to even have a conversation with someone, even if it's hostile, you know, I think that that's still a good place, you know, for, you know, some sort of discourse and call me naive and everything, but, you know, I've been able to change the minds of like, you know, many a different person just through discourse. And I think that, you know, when that starts breaking down, we're going to be in for a, I mean, you know, it's the reason why this partisanship and, you know, has divided this country so much, you know, we, you, like in the nineties, we used to have so many overlapping views, no matter what side of the aisle you were on. And now those like overlapping views have like completely, you know, dispersed. And now we're like, you know, the fringes of the left and the right or, you know, are just so scattered. And I think that if we're willing to, you know, listen to each other's perspectives a lot more then that's going to be just better for us in general. But you need, in order to be able to listen, you have to be able to like, you know, question yourself and you be, have to be willing to like follow your, your curiosity. And unfortunately that means digging deeper. So no matter what cult, like part of the culture that you happen to be on, even if you're an outsider, even if you're part of the choreography scene, the freestyle scene, you know, maybe you're a musician, you need to go deep into like the cultural roots and like, you know, the leaders and the creators and innovators of like the culture that you created or that you participate in in order to under, and you need to go into their lives and understand what inspired their creativity. And then you'll understand more about the human experience such that like you can understand not only yourself, but others in this current time, you know, because history always repeats itself, you know, yeah, you know, like you'll be able to understand so much more about like just people in general. So I encourage you, like, you know, I implore you to dig deeper and not think that things are good enough as they are. You know, like don't be lulled into a false sense of comfort when it comes to, you know, the greatness of this country or anything of that nature. Or to, or when it comes to your perspective, if you're someone who considers yourself an ally, do not, you know, think of yourself as like being good enough. You know, there's always more that you can do, and there's always more that you can become. You know, and it's hard, it's uncomfortable, it's shitty, it's awful. I don't want to do it. Oh my god, I don't even want to do it. Okay, because this is, it just seems like it'll never end, and it probably won't, because you know, time is just infinite. But we can definitely, I think that, you know, when we are more together than we can do so, but coming together isn't going to come without perspective. So grow your perspective, you know, fertilize that seed. And if you don't want to grow, if you don't want to do anything and you just hold on to and identify with your views, Word. then step out the motherfucking way and shut your dumb ass up. I'm fucking... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god man get out of here before i smoke you man it's <laughs> fuck out the circle that's for sure <laughs> well with that said um yeah i'd like to thank my co-host feathers uh 
This is uh, one conversation oh, many, so, and um, the next the next episode we release will be <laughs> way lighter. Fucking but, up, um, so this might know, have to be an even this shit's episode. But like I said, I'll have <laughs> Crown Royal on deck. Okay. Goddamn right. All right, y'all. So um, this has uh, been Celtic and Feathers signing off. Uh, Peace, we y'all. will endure. We will grow. We will overcome. God bless. Drinking and dance after hours is a facet of drinking and dance at the end of the world and is a collaboration between Rob Celtic and the one and only Feathers. That's F-T-H-R-S. All music on the show was produced by Feathers, and you can find his new EPs on Spotify as well as Bandcamp. If you like what you hear and you want to support the show, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, write a review and tell your friends about us, and visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash drinkinganddance to gain inside access to the full collection of our recordings, as well as other bonuses. Thanks for stopping in, and be sure to come through again. We'll save a seat for you.